0: is a visionary entrepreneur who has reinvented the practice of public relations for today's social and digital world. She is a past president of New York Women in Communications. She has been the recipient of the coveted Matrix Award from that organization, as well as PR News's Top Women in PR Award. She sits on the board of Cosmetic Executive Women and the PRSA. I hope I Got all those letters right, Foundation. She is also an advocate for diversity and inclusion, and her agency won the PR News for 2020 Award for Best Places to Work, which is no small achievement considering 2020 was a pandemic year. Most importantly, she is the founder and CEO of Caplo Communications, a next generation communications agency, which I love that, who is celebrating 30 years. And I will add, she is also one of the most fashionable and well dressed. Women that I know. Welcome, Liz Kaplow, to Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Oh,
1: Joanne, thank you so much for that introduction. I'm so, I always love talking with you. So I'm now happy to be a guest on your podcast.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. I was thinking that I think I met you around so many things happened that first year that I was teaching at NYU, but I think it was just as I was just starting to teach at NYU in 2013, which is
1: You're just one of these natural born teachers where you teach without talking at people, but really engage with them. And I just enjoyed knowing you and and watching what you do.
0: Well, thank you so much. But this is all about you and getting to know more about you today. So can we start? I always like to ask my guests where they're from. Yes,
1: I am from Long Island, New York, um, but I've been asked if I'm from the Midwest. I think I'm not just a friendly gal, and people think I'm from other places.
0: <laughs> you know, having having grown up not far from you in Queens, I think people are always surprised when anyone from New York appears as friendly because there's this yeah. misconception that we don't talk to anybody.
1: We're very friendly, though, don't you? Actually,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. As soon as I always say, as soon as a New Yorker determines that you're not an axe murderer. Yep. Um, they will do anything in the world for you.
1: <laughs>
0: so, but how did you get from there to founder and CEO of Capla?
1: Oh wow, that's a very that's a long story. But the long and short of it is, is that from the time I was a little kid, I loved the two things: people, always connected to people, and to their stories and kind of being an enthusiast or a cheerleader for others, whether it was a little kid giving a book report and, you know, talking about a cheap tree grows in Brooklyn. And I remember it was the parent kid kind of, Book there, and the dad said to me, "I'm going to run out and get that book right away." You really sold that book to me, you know, at 11 years old. Or as I got older and kind of went through this liberal arts education um, I, in college, and then found FIT where I discovered public relations. Into this first internship at Versa Marsteller, where I thought I could really do this. I can get at that time. It was the media to get excited. About something that I would represent, and then of course, all the years in agents get degrees, and then starting out CapLow, which was in 1991, 30 years ago, um, with this idea of story. And again, now that's you know. Sort of second nature for anybody in marketing communications to talk about storytelling. But at that time, it was a new idea um, that it wouldn't just be about blasting press releases or, you know, sort of getting out there as a bunch of publicists, but rather you could go in and find what is magical about a brand, an organization, and help that brand. Get excited for themselves and then we could go out to those influential media at the time today and so many different stakeholders and communicate that magic and let the people internally get more enthusiastic about the brands they work for and get the consumers who are on the other end of buying products and services to understand a deeper purpose in that brand, as opposed to just seeing it as
0: a product. You know, I, And I, as, as you're talking about this, and you throw out that you're 1991, and um, I know some of our listeners are some of my current and former students who weren't even born in 1991, uh, I don't, and especially for the women, I, I don't know if they realize how unusual that was at that point in time yeah. for a woman. Sure to go out on her own in what, you know, is there's a lot of women in marketing and communications now, but at the top it's still a little, in my opinion, a little top heavy with men. But um, that was that was that was a real Yes. That was that was very innovative at that time. And challenging.
1: Yeah. Well well thank you for that. I wish I could tell you that it was very deliberate and I I <laughs> it was with ambition and I wanted to have this, you know mid-size agency in Midtown Manhattan and grow it, et cetera. But I didn't. I mean, the truth was at that time, you know, there was limited technology in agency life to be able to have flexibility. And I had two little kids at home and I really could not get a hold of how I would continue on in that way, servicing clients, working with others. And I felt that starting my own way would give me more control, more sort of, I even hate to use this word, but somehow a sense of balance mm-hmm. over my life at the time. And so that's actually why I did it. Um, and and when I did it, what I learned was that it was just so much fun. It allowed me to grow organically. And, you know, that's sort of, an, you know, one of the basics of business that, um, I want people to remember, which is that you know it doesn't have to be done overnight. You know, you sort of built slowly with the right clients, with the right people. You know, it was it was never the idea that it was going to just be about me. I kind of handpicked people and gave them, showed women, especially, I think that they could have these kinds of more flexible opportunities. And as a result, all these years later, what we've seen is that we're very homegrown. You know, we, we've you know, seen women kind of grow up through the agency, including our president today, who started a decade, almost a decade ago and raised her hand for different jobs, still has her boys in the center of her life, um, but was able to still maintain a career. And I think that's what the message is that we want women to hear, and especially what arrests, uh, arose so much during the pandemic, which is that a lot of women dropped out, as we know. And so I think for students and for those starting out, it's very important to remain optimistic and it's very important to see a career as, you know, as, as a long tail, as an ability to get in and slowly build, but stay with it and that it will, there will find opportunities out of some of these detours that we're all experiencing.
0: So you really have, I mean, when we use the word visionary to describe you, it's so true because you actually created an environment that right now in this point in time, many companies are saying we have to create more flexible environments. You know, the pandemic showed us that, yes, people can work from home and still get stuff done. In fact... And there's a lot of studies that have said that we're working more because we're home, because yep. there's that inability to ever shut it off completely. And you were actually at the at, you were doing this ahead of the time, ahead of what people are trying to figure out. Now, now.
1: You know, effectively, I mean, there have been a lot of <laughs> I mean, I was raised in PR at a time where nobody, you know, if you mention the word culture, people would have thought that that was such a lightweight thing. I mean, it's just about the business result. And, you know, to an extent that we still do really need to think about that, but in parallel tracks with results and outcome and showing that you can measure your worth must be attention paid to the, the way we work and the joy that comes out of it. And that is what keep people and you know there were times in the agency where that wasn't happening because I didn't pay enough attention to it um, and it was it was, you know somewhat of a darker time to tell you the truth and we got through it but we did get a lot of feedback and I was saying to myself how is this is great independent agency that we've given to, how is that not translating exactly how are, mm-hmm. how are people not getting that and the truth is that just because you think one way about your business, or as a leader, because you so believe that you're doing the right thing by people, unless they are experiencing that, then mm-hmm. it, it's not it's not effective. So I was standing under this tree by this house where we raised, where we raised our kids. It's really why we bought the house because the house was a total wreck, frankly. Besides the tree. <laughs> <laughs> the tree had these amazing branches and I loved it because I don't know if it was located in such a way that it had this amazing cross breeze and shelter. And I actually had a moment where I was I was reflecting on this culture that wasn't going the way that I had hoped it would go. I guess it's about you know, 12, 15 years ago. And I realized that the branches were giving me a feeling of sort of respite away from the difficulties and that what does a tree really, really stand for? And that I needed to find some kind of way to express this to the agency. And so we actually have tree as the basis of our culture. And that or those are the letters, trust, respect, Energy and enthusiasm. T R E E. Now, at first, this was again—is this something you know we're going to really talk about, Are people going to think it's too out there? You know, this is you know, uh, it's it really does it tie into business? But this is what's interesting about it. It became our culture. Now, when you interview at Caplow, RHR folks, the, you know the senior teams, they talk about tree right at the start on the review. You are judged in terms of your progress by how much you are really showing these different components of the culture. We don't have a culture team. We have a tree team. And that tree team comes up with different ways, especially during the pandemic. This was so important because you're right. As much as we could be in different places, we needed to create a mecca, a center point by which people could feel connected to something. And that was the tree. And then finally, um, we have a really fun thing where our CFO, who is my husband, Evan Jacobs, he is like the dad of the agency. He hands out digital leaves during our staff meetings. And what are these leaves? They actually are gratitude leaves for people to give to others. They, get, they happen, we send each other oh, wow. during the course of the month and then he reads the leaves aloud and people wait. They're on the edge of their seat waiting to sort of hear how proud people are of each other. And Mm -hmm. that is the thing about that's so hard now, because you talk about this a lot. I know you do about social media and the times we're living in and that feeling that we all have um, about needing to catch up and be better. And are we good enough? And I think that what this does by giving gratitude, it helps level the playing field and people feel happy for each other.
0: Well, and and I think, you know, what you're saying is so true. First of all, A, the whole story about the tree is no wonder your storytelling is at the core of of what your agency is all about, because it's a great story. Um, (laughs) You know, I I also call myself a storyteller. So we're in the same camp on that. But um, I think it's also that whole idea of gratitude is that we don't take the time to acknowledge what we're doing right. You know, I mean, I think there's where we have gotten to such a culture where we go right into this is what's wrong. And you know, I try and do it. Certainly, I've done it when I was in corporate. I have tried to do it. I'm not always great at it. I certainly tried to do it in my, with my students is always starting with what's right, right before we get into where maybe we can improve because your ears are more open to it. And then you remember, oh, yeah, OK, I, I can do this better, but I'm doing this really good. So I feel a little bit. Exactly. It- Acknowledge. I feel acknowledged and I feel seen.
1: Yes, and it sets the person to an openness so that they actually can hear feedback after that. And the truth is we do need to get feedback. And some of it, you know, it won't always be wonderful feedback, but if we're first sort of come in through that positive, I agree with you, Joanne. I think it it creates a different mindset.
0: It does. Totally. All right. So let's get a little back here. I know this is what happens folks who are listening when I know somebody better than some of my other guests is that there's a tendency for me to get off track, but in a good way, in a good way. But let's talk um, a little bit about PR itself because yeah. you don't call yourself a PR agency, even though that technically is how the whole thing started. It's a communications agency, but the whole business of PR has changed yeah. so much since you started and certainly since the advent of social media. Yes. How How do you see this? How, yeah. and, how and how was that for you to recognize that right away and say, "Yeah, you know, we can't just... Say social media is going to be a hundred percent part of marketing because it's not. It's it's a gray area to me. It's
1: look. It's I think it. that PR is is a wonderful field. I think that it gets pigeonholed into these specific areas, and and I did deliberately think of the name communication, capital communications, versus PR because I very much at ten you know thousand feet up wanted it to be about helping our clients to communicate their stories and to reach their audiences and create a connection create some kind of emotional connection to the brand and that that actually is one thing that really hasn't changed when you ask me that change you know that idea that foundational notion of uh, trying to capture what is inside a brand, and bring it out so people could care in a way that sounds real and authentic, and you know, not PR actually, but rac- r- rather find those storytellers to keep it real for people. That's what the agency was based on 30 years ago. Everything else about it has changed in terms of the way we tell those stories. Right? I mean, when we started out, in some ways. You know, it was easy. It was very traditional media. Uh, It must be hard for the students even to imagine that we had, you know, print media, cast media, you know, radio thrown in for good measure, which was, as you know, Joanna, you know, a good way to reach people. Um, and, And long form, you know, and all these things. Very, very interesting that the journey that we've been on to go direct to people whether it's in the way we communicate or, frankly, the way products and services are brought. DTC, you know, just took off. that We don't even think twice the way that we it. I think what's interesting about the agency is this evolution, is this ability to say, how do we maintain a kind of high-touch, thoughtful, strategic, customizable way to tell stories that reach the audiences we are trying to do? as opposed to email blasts, as opposed to, you know, this sort of one-size-fits-all, really taking that step back to start with the audience, with the consumer. Where are they living? What are they listening to? How do they start their day? Look at influencers, but not just by Instagram. by all, all of that ecosystem of influence, our head of influence would say, um, when she speaks, she, she has this amazing slide that talks about, you know, what, what their management really means. And there are so many buzzwords that are used, but really at the end of the day, it start with the way in which people are getting their messages or learning about things, are understanding about brands, and frankly, the purpose behind the brand, not just again, sort of manufactured thing. I think that that's the biggest evolution I've And that's a good thing. It gives us many, many more choices in PR in a way than we had before. But rather than saying it's the demise of media and running from public relations, I think that we can now say our world has opened up because of social media and because of this two-way dialogue, even publishing that brands have the opportunity to publish their own content and this wonderful opportunity to influence the media topic. And ideas that people are actually really searching for, make it better and more valuable. And therefore that will help brands more searchable, help them pop up, but it will happen very organically because of the weight that is still being given to that party endorsement.
0: Yeah. And I, and what you said about purpose, I think it's just becoming so increasingly important and to be doing it in a way, Showing that you are brand with purpose that people can relate to in a way that is honest and not what I call paint lip service. I think, and that's and that's what you know, a, a, an agency like you is is trying to do is tell that story in a way that doesn't sound like I'm just saying this. I'm not saying I support diversity. I'm actually. Yes this is how we're doing it. this is,
1: you know, we're walking the walk, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's very true. I, I believe that especially, and I know probably you'll ask me more about the pandemic, but, you know, when I, when I look at brands and sort of what their self-reflected moment to say, you know, what is our real purpose? That came up a lot during the pandemic. But the truth is that good brands have been thinking that way for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. We go back with these long-term relationships with CVS and Target and some of these other brands who have been doing the right thing all along. Yes. Because it was the right thing to do. But because they understood that to-do business, not just for the consumer, of course, but also for their own folks inside the brand – to believe in what they're doing, but they have to be able to And I I think that's just going to the table stake here on in. You know, I think that new baby boomers were born and started, don't you think? Going oh totally. part of the model now. Um and and it's very really any brand worth anything is is going to be um, sort of doing business this way from here on in, here
0: on in. I, I think I think it's Um, I think there's a couple of reasons in there. I mean, I could go on about my love hate relationship with social media, but one of the positives is, is that our, 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 I don't even know what, what the right word is to say here, but the consumer and, and you know, again, we're marketers and and communication professionals, but we're also consumers. The bar, we know we can we can smell in a mile away. So you can't get away with that. <laughs> and then you also have a generation that is, you know, really going to be the, the core of what we're looking at for a while, the millennials who don't want, they don't want to do business with people who don't have a real purpose that they believe in. And there's always a, choice. So, and it's much, again, it's much more evident because of the real-time conversations that, that we can have. That's exactly right. But, you know, to go back to what you were talking about with Target and CVS and some of these clients that you've had, you, I, I mean, it, when I was doing my research, this is what one of the things I love about doing my podcast. I was like, wow, like, Kaplow did the first pop-up for Target in 1999. Mm-hmm. Like no one was even talking of. Now it's just like okay, let's do a pop-up. It's it's kind of ubiquitous. And yet you did it and and you've maintained a lot of your client relationships for a long time. Is there a secret sauce to that cuz I think it's harder to do anymore.
1: I do. And I think it's worth remembering where whatever stage you are in your career there are a couple of things that I think that that have really helped with that. Number one, just relationships in and of themselves. That is key to doing business. I don't really know if it's taught enough, you know, in, in
0: not, in- it's not. I to I do, I do. I throw things in that aren't on my curriculum, but
1: <laughs> that's how you get to understand what other people are doing. You can create partnerships and you can start with an idea. And then it becomes bigger. You can find ways to find individuals, find new purpose in what you're doing. And with the media, that has been so incredibly important. You know, on my end, our senior team members have those relationships still with the media. We understand how the media is morphing to digital. With clients, we see as new people come in, we connect with them. To understand them as people, not, you know, above and beyond even their business. What do they care about? What's important to them? And I just think in general, having a mindset about creating this, relationship sort of way of doing business with each and every conversation that we're having. And it's not easy to do these days. And when I say that, you know, we're not in the room with each other. (laughs) Literally, literally right now. I know we're getting back though. We're getting back. We're going to get back. But, you know, our president always tells the story. She said, Liz, I don't understand when we would have an event in the real world, these people coming and running to you and hugging you. Where did did you meet all these people? How did you know? Because I just, I love connecting, learning Mm -hmm. about people. And that has trickled down throughout the agency. During this era of, Zoom and, and, you know, the way that we are all remote and trying to replicate that, it, it has not been easy. And, it, and it's, you know, I can see that there is so much Zoom fatigue because part of what we're trying to do is reach the media. We're trying to talk to clients. Everybody's tired. And I think it is important to, you know, sort of, again, regroup, shut it off from time to time. Think about new ways to reach people, it's, it's very important to bring value, you know, not just to waste to someone's time, but to bring value. So, you know, I personally have been doing a series of meet and greets during this time. Um, some of it where I actually have, you know, something to, you know, that, that, that idea to bring, but part of it is trying to understand what other people are working on trying to understand how we can work together in different ways. You'd be surprised people would be willing to kind of collaborate in a new way, one-on-one. Um, the worst to do is sort of drop out. And I think that many times, you know, we need the energy to, to move forward and feel that we can be able to do that. But keeping those relationships intact is very important. I think being nimble has been something else that has helped us keep these relationships. You talked about the shift. I mean, a 30-year-old agency, what has been absolutely of a- The most important thing to me, to our president, to, you know, frankly, to the agency, and they understand this, is to evolve, to understand what is new, to try things, to test and try. Marketers, comms people, they're open to that these days. You know, PR has a seat with, you know, the most senior level C-suite folks these days. And to be able to bring an idea that starts in public relations, whereas years ago that would have been harder to do, that's just very natural these days. Um, Something that is new, something that is new, but frankly is strategic. In other words, not to just glom onto the new thing, but to be able to provide a why. I'm sure you teach your students this, the rationale, not just to go out, you know, superfluously and just say, we're going to just do this, but to really have it be thoughtful, but to keep evolving and to be fast. I mean, the thing about today is while we want to be thoughtful, we have to, in parallel tracks, move quickly. And I think that, you know, brands need that. They need us to keep up and frankly lead them and to be their arms and legs. So those are just some of the things as well as culture, which I talked with you about that, that I, that I'm thinking about that I want to really have us move forward into the next phase of capload's growth.
0: Yeah. When you talk about that ability to think quickly and do it right, it's, it's, it's not an easy skill. I guess it falls under those soft skills, but it's so critical in today's environment, because if you don't think things through. You can really create a bad situation as opposed to a positive situation, but yet you can't just sit and wait. Yeah. Things are happening too quickly.
1: And I think one of the things that helps with that is finding a buddy, a mentor, a team, A you know, it could be a mentor within the organization and collaborating because, you know, thinking on your own, It's not something that that needs to be done. When I think about the biggest, best ideas, honestly, I can't remember an individual they came from, but I do remember teams. And I know that even starting as a student, you work a lot in teams. And I think the idea is to be an idea builder. Be an idea builder in school and in your whole career. So that you're less worried about, this was my idea, but this was something that we built together and made better.
0: I love that. I love that. Um, and you you just mentioned the word mentoring. And when I think of you, I think of you're such a role model for women and a promoter of, again, of diversity and inclusion. And I don't want to end this without even touching on that. Um, is, is that something that's just come naturally to you? I mean, how you because you really, you're... You you really have um, created such a place for yourself in terms of being. You're, you're a role model. You have started your own agency. You're a woman. You still manage to have the husband and the kids. And I think you're. I think you're a grandmother now. Am I allowed to say that? Do I have to cut that part out? I hope not. Shout out to Eden. <laughs> The other day, <laughs> um, and and but that but that is that's not an easy feat to do and still yep. be smiling and be successful. It just isn't. It it, it, it just isn't. But you've really served as a as a, a mentor and a model for so many so many women.
1: Yeah, I you know I don't think it's easy, and I don't think women should make it look. Easy. Ah, I love that. And what I mean by that is, you know, from the beginning, for me, what mentoring meant was showing a very realistic side of what it takes. And I think it's something really worth remembering because I think that when young women hear about these things, it sounds so overwhelming that it just sometimes may not look like there's a way in. And so what Mm -hmm. I have tried to do is mentor by keeping it real, by showing that it really has been about others with me, beside me, um, that some of the darker side of this, you know, how I wanted to grow faster. I wanted our agency, you know, to take greater jumps ahead than we did. I wanted to, you know, be there for the kids um, and sometimes felt like I missed something and then had a little bit of a do-over later. So I tried not to do that. <laughs> You know, um, I think that, you know, when there have been mistakes, or there have been difficulties, talk about them. Let, let women see that that path is one that goes in zigzags, detours. If, if you get fired, if you lose an account, if you are having a tough time in personal life, relationships, um, that it's a long career. And most of us who are still standing you know, <laughs> 30 years later as an independent, it's, it, it is because of that approach. One of our daughters um, said to me, you know, mom, the thing I think that's the, that good about you, you <laughs> accept change. I was like, okay, there's one good thing about me, but, you know, you you accept change. You've been able to do that. And I think, you know, for women especially, it's very hard. We, you know, we take it personally. We, we suffer self-doubt, all of us do, men and women like, and I think that what we have to do is not be so hard on ourselves and realize that, you know, that vulnerability that exists with that next generation and keep it as real as we possibly can um, so that young women can see that path. But I love mentoring. I think I love being a kind of a player coach. Because, as you know, I'm a practitioner. I love sitting in there with the clients and helping them. But one of the great things is working with the teams behind the scenes, almost like a director, and helping them get ready, for example, for a major presentation. That is so different than when they were in a room live, now, you know, now you know these slides or these or these visuals that they have serve a different purpose than they did when we were in a room and and kind of going behind the scenes and pulling the best out of each person. And i I really am loving that
0: no, i'm 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 a big fan of that myself. Um and it's it's I, I told my students this too. I said, you know you have to get good at presenting in person and virtually because you're going to see much more of a mixture of that in the future. And it is much different than it's harder to read someone's body language. It really is. I mean, it's one of the, you know, we're not recording a a video right now, but I can see your face. And when I first started doing this, I had a system where I couldn't see people's faces. And I'm like, I don't, this is not right. This is not right. I don't have to record it, but I can still,
1: it's going to be be a better conversation. I have a story where I was in a big room um, and the presenter, I was in the audience and I must have been like about 10 rows back. And the present, I did not know the CEO who was presenting, but I was very riveted by what he was saying. And I didn't realize it, but I was shaking my head a lot, you know, when at the points he was making where I was really feeling what he was saying. Do you know, he came up to me right afterwards and he said, I cannot tell you how much I. You know, it fueled me to pick that. I thought, wow, I, you know, I wasn't even conscious of doing it. But there are little signs when we're in a room that, you know, of course, you can nod your head when you're on Zoom, but it's not going to necessarily have that same impact. There's body language. There's We can look bored. We can look all of these things. Um, but, but we can also sort of, it's something in the air. It's some kind of magic that we exude. When we're alive. And I think you do have to look for ways to teach that and be aware of it, you know, in this new way that we're presenting and the slides look different and the voice is different. And we've just got to do our best to keep that enthusiasm up because people feel it. They feel it. Okay, a
0: couple more questions because I I think we could, this could be another one of my longest podcasts ever because I'm so enjoying this conversation. But I do want to touch on how your business adapted to the pandemic. We've kind of, we've kind of woven that in a little bit, but um, I just want to. Asked that one question, so
1: yes, yeah. um, it was. It was a real shock to the system, and when I say that, it's because of everything I've said already about being relationship geared. You know, we have an office in Midtown that's been there forever with people coming through. All of these things created who we were, you know. And so, all of a sudden, pretty much in one day. We, this happened early on at the beginning of that week, where everyone left. We we left. We left that office, and we never went back. And so, how much did that affect the business? I mean, there were there were new business opportunities that went that went frozen. There were you know things that clients were excited about with events and otherwise live events. So much that for that. Was. Um, here was the thing. What and what I'm proud of is that. Going to nimbleness again, going to flexibility, going to resiliency and, and at everything that's been that's been written and said. We we put our heads down and we thought about culture first. And that tree story that that I mentioned to you, that's what that's what we used to do. We got up, we got on Zoom right away, we over-communicated, we communicated realistically at how we felt. We did the same with clients. Those long-term relationships, we wanted those clients to know we were there for them. And we were there for them. Um, Their businesses were hit the same way. Um, Business was hit in in every aspect. Heritage brands, startups, they were feeling it. But we stayed in. And I do think that one thing about being in business for 30 years um, and being kind of a heritage brand, you know, people know that we've been through we, we had 9/11. We had we had the ability to look back and to mm-hmm. see that you know we we made it through by being that relationship kind of basedness, um, and we 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 sort of step by step we worked our way through. We stayed very close to the changes that ha- were happening in media that were happening in the world of influencer that were happening with the new platforms. We became very good and adept at bringing these changes to clients so that they were able to shift and sort of look to us to see what's happening on the ground and what's coming out of it and how are people feeling. A great area of growth is health and wellness for us, believe it or not. Um, startups, new ideas um diversity and inclusion. We began working with um, the Alliance for um, Multicultural Marketing and Advertising. We began oh, wow. with different startups that sort of telegraph the women's healthcare clinic from beginning all the way through. Um, existing clients like Target and others were were you know looking to us to build, further build, and communicate what they stood for. And in some cases, not to communicate. <laughs> it's time when it's hard to stay quiet and let people work their way through this and really keeping their customers top of mind. So we became um, really that sort of counselor, um, which we always have been. But I think that during the pandemic, that role became that much more important, think about social media and what was going on during that time as well. Um, and some of the, you know, sort of outspoken way that people were looking at brands and were talking about them, and that sort of, you know, curtain that got raised during that time. And, you know, that sort of forced that conversation of what do we stand for? Who are we? Who are our storytellers? And making certain that executives could speak As real humans and the whole human leadership um, aspect, which, you know, I wrote quite a bit about and which I think will stick, which is a great thing, really came into play. So how did business adapt for all the things that I mentioned and more, especially in how we've been able to translate all these things to a virtual world and do that effectively? I, I feel proud of the agency and going into this next phase in our 30th year of just the people and how, you know, just how much this team has, has made an effort to try and to look forward and, and to stay positive.
0: Yes, and I'll make sure I have the links to some of those articles that you've been writing recently in the show notes so people can read more. And how about you personally? How did you oh, handle the pandemic? You of know what?
1: I, did you learn a new skill? <laughs> much grounded, you know, in a way, and thinking because you know nobody's. You know, my day used to be like running downtown, running uptown, commuting here. Commuting, and I think just having those times in between to, to try, I've sort of picked up my version of meditation. I've picked up like you know find my mat, Pilates things that I can do, being more present in the minds because we are so busy with different messages with social media and, and, and reading everything in the news and whatnot. The times where we're not, um, you know, I really feel to make the most of those times and be very present in those times and I've tried to really stay as connected as I possibly can to family and you know to to the kids, to this little granddaughter and to friends. And you know, we've got to work at this stuff because everything else will take our attention away. So I'm trying to do my best. I haven't I have a 94 year old mother and I look to her because she's she's an artist who you know, has changed so many times in terms of her style and her way of looking at creativity. But she's so darn positive. You know, she's so, you know, she looks at life for what good can come from it. And she has that incredible perspective um, that I think, you know, we, we try to, as we're young, that's a little harder thing to have when you're young because you haven't lived life. But I sort of look to her and that really does help to ground me.
0: Somebody somebody said to me, one of the um, advantages of being older at this point in time is that you know that you will get past where we are. So um, when you're younger, it's harder to imagine because you haven't really experienced that. Yeah,
1: that's what I would frankly tell my younger self if, it, if I could go back. I, mean, I was always like, oh, we got to solve this problem in this minute and the world is coming in. And now I, I am able to. Looking back and seeing that we did solve it, there is a solution. We can get there. Things will have a way, you know, mostly of working themselves out. And if they don't, we'll find a new path. You know, you just get that by living life.
0: Well, that was one of my my lightning round questions. What you would tell your twenty five year old <laughs> self? Tackle that one anymore. so you so you so you tackled that so um just um a couple of other little quick ones and then we will wrap it up um although we probably could wrap it up right then because it was so wonderful but um I always like to ask people this your favorite
1: social network oh I, LinkedIn hands down I, I find it a value you know it's just it, it's for, whether it's news or keeping in touch I think they do a great job
0: no, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's the one network I tell people that I don't care what else you're on. You have to be on that if you want to stay in business. Um, something people would never guess about you?
1: Well, I played guitar and sang in coffee houses all through college. So everything from James Taylor, Carole King, John Baez, that is, and you know, I've reconnected to that world a little bit lately, which I love.
0: Wow. I would never have guessed that. Okay. Last series you binged serious ash uh, Sch- yeah. have you seen it oh i have not seen that yet i have not
1: seen it very very good it look into another okay. world but yet somehow relatable a food you cannot live without oh my gosh chocolate it has to
0: be it has to be chocolate i'm right there chocolate and wine wine i'm in that what you miss most about uh pandemic life pre, pre uh, about pre i'm sorry what you miss most about pre covid life
1: Yeah, I'm a hugger, and I love being in the room, and I I just think, you know, the travel, all of that, I miss, but I'm looking forward, and I know it's starting. There is just nothing like that.
0: No, I'm a hugger, too, and every time I see someone I haven't seen in a year, I'm like, just, I have to hug you because as long as you're vaccinated you know that's <laughs> the, that's the question that comes first are you vaccinated we are we're hugging then and and what motivates you to get up in the morning
1: you know what motivates me is this feeling like there's a fresh start there's a fresh start there's something new to learn there's something new to discover and combine that with the joy of you know people who have been in my life, there's always going to be something or someone new. And I think that's, that's what's really exciting about life.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, so if people want to find you and Kaplow, re- I, I'll put all this stuff in the show Thank notes Any these questions. Yeah.
1: I, you know, they can email me at Kaplow at Kaplow.com. We have a website where we certainly it's a
0: beautiful website, by the way.
1: Yes, thank you. It's it's a good website. We're doing some tweaks to it to keep it, you know, very fresh. Um, and I'm Liz Kaplow on LinkedIn. So I I uh, I loved having this conversation. I admire you so much, Joanne. It's likewise. We didn't get to talk too much about New York women in communications, but that (laughs) is how we met, and I'm still involved, and I'm going to get you back in the
0: back back in the yes, that is how we met. In fact, um, I was doing something for them, and you came up to me, and I did not realize that you were the. uh, I think you were about to step into the presidency, and. I was like, I don't know who she is, but we're going to go talk. So there you go. Oh. And we're both we're both the same way when it comes to that stuff about meeting people. So thank you again for for being on the show. I'm so appreciative.
1: It's my great pleasure.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note, info at joannetombrocus.com. And until next time, remember... Whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there.